This podcast was produced by ORFM Dunedin with support from New Zealand On the Air. With interesting and positive people around the world. Broadcast on Otago Access Radio 105.4 FM and streamed and podcast on oar.org.nz and sustainablelens.org. Bringing connection, joy, kindness and peace in the days ahead. Welcome to Blowing Bubbles, positive conversations with people in their bubbles, their safe spaces around the world. I'm Samuel Mann in Soyuz Bay, Dunedin, and I'm joined by Mawera Karatai in Fakatani. Kia ora, Mawera. G'day, Sam. How's it going? It's going very well indeed. Who are we introducing today? Well, today I'm going to start with a story. So before I, before I can introduce him, I'm going to tell you the story of him. I've got a lot of stories of our guest today but this one in particular um he is a photographer and uh does some absolutely spectacular stuff with photos that blows my mind and i can't explain it but um he uh years and years ago had a an exhibition in Fatani, and uh, my friend rosemary and i catered for the exhibition and after everyone had eaten and we cleaned up and went for a walk around, there was this photo that I looked at it that absolutely blew my mind. It so perfectly represents how I feel about myself on the inside. And it's a it's a um, young woman with wild hair, dressed in natural sort of fibres, holding a deer skull, Look, she's just come straight from the hunt and stripped all the meat off and fed everybody and just looks incredible. And I fell in love with her. And about a week later, there's a knock on my door and there's Troy with this picture. And um, it has hung in my dining room ever since. And what blows me away about it is the way that I felt about it, I don't think was his intent, that, like the, the way that, it, that I responded to it. But what's what's really amazed me is that Generally, men see it one way and generally women see it another way. And anyway, Troy Baker is our guest today. Troy is a photographer for the Fakatani Beacon. He's a photographer for the community, a wedding photographer, a, um, an incredible artist, um, uh, a political commentator through his work, uh, so many things, but all of them beautiful. Welcome, Troy, and thank you for sharing with us today. No worries. Thank you for ha- ha- having me on the programme. Welcome, Troy. What did you have in mind with that picture, Troy? It was basically, um, it was a very short series. It ended up being um, kind of like a triptych, and it was just basically analysing um, um, basic requirements for life. Um, when you look at the youth of today, if you ask them what they deemed was um, the most important um, assets or requirements, they would probably be, you know, their phone, their friends, their social life. Um, but at the end of the day, it all boils down to um, shelter, food, um, warmth, all of, all of those those true basic necessities, which I believe that we just take for granted. So it was just a small series just to really try and um, bring a bit of context to that and just maybe highlight um, how far our social structures have moved on. But um, despite despite that, there are still basic um, needs that all mankind requires. So how was your bubble life? How was lockdown for you? Um, Working for a newspaper, obviously um, we had 
I think out of the entire lockdown period, I had about one week where I was um, idle. But that was purely because of the current political situation whereby the bigger newspapers were um, allowed by the government to be out in the public arena and carry on carry on working, but the community newspapers were kind of shut out of the loop. So there was a lot of lobbying going on in the background. Finally got us out there and um, it ended up being pretty much just as busy as it would have been um, without COVID, to be honest. So how did you tell the story of the community's lockdown when you weren't allowed to get near people? I suppose the advantage of the camera is you don't have to be very close to them. No, you don't. Um, there is the the obvious, the um, one thing that, that, always, that struck me was every single playground in the area was was all taped off. It all had to keep off caution, danger, um, which was a site I've, I'd never actually seen before. So I took quite a quite a keen interest in trying to record those sorts of things. Um, road closures, um, just deserted towns. Just it was almost like an apocalyptic feel to everything. It, it, it was it was lifeless. Um, and a town, a town is nothing without its people. But um, one thing that was also quite heartwarming was there was a whole lot of these little um, community projects that kind of cropped up. And there were things like a teddy bear hunt where um, kids were allowed to roam the streets and count the teddy bears in the windows that, that people had placed. Um, and there was also, one, one of the ones that really stood out was there was a, a rather large bear on a, pro on a property not far from here on Riverside Drive where every single day the bear was um, undertaking a different task, whether he was cooking a barbecue, sitting in a kayak. It was it was hilarious every single day. And it, it just drove me to go back and see what this bear was what was up to next. It was it was fantastic. It was it it was great. And also just to see the when when I rock up with a camera to photograph bears in windows, just to have um, kids waving at me and um, parents standing on their decks just just interacting and smiling um, despite the supposed virus um, people were still they were quite uplifted it's yeah it was it was a very interesting time let's put it that way I liked it when um, we couldn't have our Anzac Day celebrations and so mm -hmm. the whole town created incredible nods to Anzac Day and there was Anzac art on every fence around the town. It was incredible to see That's that right. and the kids' right. involvement in that and so something that we hold so dear at Anzac Day celebrations wasn't lost and it was just shared in a different way. That's right. In some respects the virus stopped nothing, didn't it? it, it, it yeah. People just carried carry it on in their own their, in their own personal way. It was it was it was um, brilliant. Really brilliant to see. So what's the role of the photographer in telling the story of a community like Whakatani? Um, almost twofold, in my opinion. Uh, the first one is um, kind of like the obvious. It's the, um, the story of the moment, whatever, um, um, what particular reporter happens to send me out to record. But in doing, and that's my day-to-day -day role, essentially. I um, I follow um, reporters' guidance. Um, they're the ones who make initial contact, find the stories, and I'm, I'm out there trying to illustrate those. But in doing so, it's almost as if I'm also the only person recording that day-to-day -day life in this town. It, it's certainly, it, it's not lost on me just how important that is. When you look back on the 
the voters of this area or any area for that matter in say 50, 100, 150 years, it's the news photos that that are that are there. Those are the um, the images that that have recorded um, those little moments in time and the people within those communities throughout those moments of time. It's and it those we have got. We started digital basically in two thousand and one, um, and everything prior to that was all on film. And all of those proof sheets and um, and slides are now owned by the museum. So if anybody has any requirement for anything um, back in the 60s, uh, 50s, 60s, 70s, 80s, um, you go to the museum to grab all of that material. It's, um, it's the history of the town, everything that's happened, um, every single um, important development or, um, or act, feature, achievement, it's, it's, it's all there and it's recorded on a daily basis. It's our history. I was reading something the other day that was saying that the journalism is doing the community, society, no favours at all by its focus on the expose and assuming there's always a bad side to the story and that the positive stories sort of get relegated to the, um, you know, whatever the Women's Institute is doing, you know, pictures of cakes and that we need to find better ways of telling the positive stories. How do you, yes. how do you tell those positive stories? In my mind, you're actually referring to um, one point of human nature that my photography has attempted, my creative photography has attempted to address for a long, quite a long period of time. And that is the negative aspects of life seem to leave a larger imprint on our psyche than a positive. So quite often um, we have been accused, just like um, probably many news outlets from around the country, um, of spending too much time highlighting the bad. Um, and quite often these accusations need to be addressed. And the only way to address those is to basically find proof that that is actually a real, a real phenomenon, so to speak. So we've actually gone back and um, analysed stories over, say, um, I think one example was a two-year period, and we found that probably 85% of the material that we outputted was all positive. And that's the role of a community newspaper. And this is this is the one thing that sets us apart from maybe these national dailies. Um, we are here to serve the community first and foremost, and we put just as much effort into positive outcomes as we do the negatives. And unfortunately. Uh, bad things happen, and that is just as much news as the good things. So, from my perspective, I work for a community out there, um, and that that in itself is a saving grace as far as that's concerned. We, yeah, we're quite proud of what we do. Let's take the first of your music choices. Let's have Ed Sheeran Afterglow. Why this one? It's a story of, of of love and life. So this is almost like um, it's a song that's kind of like grabbing at this point in time. It's 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 positive. It it takes the loneliness loneliness out of the world. The lyrics really appeal. It's um, yeah. And hey, it's Ed Sheeran. Stop the clocks. It's amazing. You should see the way the light dances off your head. A million colors of hazel, golden and red. 
Troy, looking at your portfolio, there's all the all that community work, but there's also weddings and commercial and a large portfolio of what what do you call it? Conceptual work. Yes. What do you enjoy the most? Both, to be honest. Um, as far as I'm concerned, they go hand in hand. Um, the creative side keeps me fresh and the new side keeps me sharp. So um those two together are pretty much essential, which was kind of like um, it was a point that I really wanted to to strengthen as my photography developed, and that all that basically started when I went to my first awards evening in Auckland for um, a piece of work that I'd entered, and the guest speaker was a um, commercial photographer, and he he deals with like Netball New Zealand tallies, a lot of the really really big names, and he looked run down, he looked haggard haggard. He hated his camera. He hated photography. All he wanted to do when he got home was put the camera down, not even touch it. Um, and at that point in time, I think I was relatively new to the craft and I thought, I don't ever want to get like that. So for me, it was really important that I had personal projects on the go and that I was trying to um, explore my own way. Um, and that's that's what keeps me fresh and that, that's what keeps um, the ideas flowing, which is an essential component of news photography to be able to pre-visualize um, a finished product before you even get to the assignment it's it's critical and i know most photojournalists actually um, do try and pre-visualize it it basically means everything but that doesn't mean that you turn up and everything's rosy quite often your the information that you're given has, has you under the impression that you're about to face one person who's done such and such and you get there and they bought the whole farnell and <laughs> and you've got 40 people to deal with. So in a split second, you've got to come up with something else that still looks just as good. And it's just not easy. So um, having a creative mind, um, it certainly helps. It really, really, really helps. There was a discussion on Media Watch on National Radio on Sunday morning about the, the folded arm NIMBY. 
somebody standing in front of the thing that they are opposing with their arms crossed looking like they're opposed to that thing and that there was a there was a long list of things that the, where that same image appears do you, do you sometimes get to a thing and think oh how am i going to show this yep oh yep definitely definitely we all have our off days you know um the folded up nimby is probably just as just as um iconic almost as the as the double thumbs up by the face it's, <laughs> it's probably two of the things i i try to avoid with a vengeance is one thing i hate is cliches and um newspapers don't like that either but which which is really unusual because at the end of the day um every single thing a newspaper does almost seems to be a cliche these days especially the way things are written um yeah i do spend quite a considerable period of time trying to study study other people's work and gain other ideas it's not that i intend to copy but i just like to broaden my horizons so when I'm faced with these events that happen year in, year out, that are just so repetitive, at least I can try and think of a different way to approach them. It's not easy. It certainly is not easy. It's trying. Are you exploring things like drones and GoPros? And... Oh, yes. Yes, most definitely. Um, drones, are that's a bit of a new thing to me. Um, and it took me a while to actually attain one of those, purely because of the fact I knew that the the legal landscape was ever changing and it still hasn't sealed, I don't believe. I think we've still got a long way to go before we see any degree of uh, finality in the um, in whatever upcoming laws the government may decide to throw at us. But it grew ever increasingly important that I actually have a de uh, such a device, especially as far as my um, commercial nature of what, of what I do. Um, and oh my Lord, now I can get my camera up in the air and I can look down and it is just such a marvellous landscape we've got. It's brilliant. It is absolutely brilliant. Um, and there's some heart-stopping moments, like on um, Sunday, when a friend of mine um, didn't actually have things lined up, and he uh, flew his drone at full speed into a, um, a steel post. <laughs> it's not. It's fraught with um, yeah dangers such as that. But yeah, it's it's marvelous. GoPros, not so much. Maybe in the sporting in the sporting arena, which I do quite a bit of. But yeah, not so much. Those things, technology is important. Those things must be adding quite literally a whole other dimension to how you're seeing the space. They do. They certainly do. Um, landscape photography is not one of my um, strengths, but the drone actually now gives me um, a perspective and a point of view that I've, I've, I've never seen before. Um, and I'm just so enjoying um, now creating landscapes um, from all sorts of things, rock formations, um, Vegetation looking straight down is, is quite unusual. Even this, even developing interest in in aquatic ferns, which um, are almost fluorescent pink on on the surface of of, of still water, it's it's crazy. It's unbelievable. Um, I even flew over a marshland about two weeks ago and found um, some of the foliage there was aqua blue, almost fluorescent. And it just intrigues me. It, it just it's fascinating. It's absolutely fascinating. Bubble Sprite of the Forest of Orokanui, Dunedin's favourite goddess, Tahu Mackenzie. Kia ora koutou, nā mihi aroha nui, kia koutou, koutou ho. I hope you're all having the best day, the stars, love it, love it, and I really hope wherever you are, whatever's happening around, that we're all on together. It's proving very rewarding, very sustaining, and illuminating you all more and more who you are, of nature, perfect, and here, yeah, making. Now, as you know, we all exist 
for unique consciousness, our unique spark of consciousness, of course, one with all the infinite consciousness of all life throughout time and space forever. But we are all experiencing our life in a unique way. When we can together share our experience, we can learn from each other and contra-co-evolve. Of course, we're always co-evolved with all life and web, but when we're able to elucidate process with one another, of course, it becomes even more satisfying. We become more aware of that in place. So I've had such a lovely day today, having been at Beloved Bar Base, the wonderful exercise emporium of healing self-transformation. And then lovely, amazing wife of Sam and I went to our local cafe that we really love, Heritage, and we had a wonderful time there. And in the course of us being there, lots of other people, of course, that we knew came in and we interacted with them. And it was a really lovely time of everybody sharing their stories of transformation, healing, empowerment, and freedom, discovery, and adventure. And it was and all around us while this happening this great downpour and this great deluge so there was a real sense of not only interpersonal transformation celebrated by our ability to communicate but also the world around us the environment transforming presented to us anew and being thoroughly clean washed and i often find at my heart's and workplace or eco sanctuary that the rain brings out such a vividness and all the colors all the beautiful plants of course, at this time of year, as it is getting colder and colder, we see ice, we see icicles, we see crystals warming, we see fungi and lichens, such vivid, colourful fruiting bodies coming out from their otherwise hidden propensities throughout the rest of the year. And it's a real time of reflection and closing. I really hope that for you, as it is getting colder and the days are shorter, we're heading towards the shortest day, that you're finding ways to connect with those around you in environments that really support you. I really hope that you have some place in life where you're able to come together with people who enjoy similar to you and able to support each in the growth and learning and the transformation that you're all personally taking. I feel so lucky to have found Barbase. This has connected me to a whole network of wonderful, wonderful people and we all can appreciate what this place has given us. In the same way, having heritage nearby, very special. And I think as a species, we appreciate being able to go to these places regularly, connect with others, have a sense of belonging. And I think it's important in our lives to have a diversity of these spaces we go to, have that sense of belonging. And of course, within us, always, there is that eternal place that reminds us that we always belong, we're always home, we're always connected. We can always communicate that we're here with unique gifts to share. So I really hope for you, whatever spaces are drawing from your ability to connect and communicate, it's all going well. I'll look forward to talking to you again soon. Thank you. You're listening to Blowing Bubbles. We're talking with Troy Baker. Troy, um, I've asked you this before, and we asked Mandy actually when we interviewed her the other day, but I'm going to ask you again. How do you know that split second before you click the button that the perfect shot is there because you do it all the time and it just astonishes me um as far as my news work is concerned um when it comes well sports say for example is quite easy um but you obviously have to know the sport because then you can you can basically anticipate what's coming next but also, um, from a human perspective, there are certain things that you can say and that you can do and um, expect a potential reaction. And you're watching for that reaction. It's, it's 
it's almost like the lead in it. I mean, it's, it's, it's like um, Anne Geddes used to do with it, with the famous little boy holding his nappy out. That was nothing more than a, um, a jelly bean she poked down the front. So um, she put she put in motion um, a sequence there, knowing exactly what the little boy would do, and um, on a more complicated scale, that's exactly that, that. That is what I attempt to do. I pre-visualize the image that I want. So I I try and I know what I want to get, and I know what I want to capture. The trick is trying to make it happen. More often than not, you can't force it, so it's a case of just trying to finesse, finesse the situation and um, hope for the best. And quite often, you're pleasantly surprised. You'll end up with something. There is a little bit of um, a bit of planning involved, and trying to study human nature is um, is a great way to. Um... For your more creative works, I was going to say the uh, the story is more complicated, but they might not be more complicated. Perhaps more subtle. Yeah, they're almost a reflection of, of um, my life's experiences. Um, I've often believed that um, life, life's experiences are, um, they can be repeated. It just depends on the person. But um, more often than not, the reaction to an experience um, and the imprint that it leaves on the, on the mind um, can be vastly different from person to person. Um, so subtle um maybe but the main the main source of information i've got to draw on is my own it's just my own experiences and i just try to put them into perspective i'm a great believer in putting myself in somebody else's shoes and trying to figure out why someone's reacted like that how would i react in such a situation um and i think um Trying to analyze situations like that certainly helps arm me for um, uh, designing and designing creative creative pieces. But, yeah. If those things are from sense. your if those things are from your experience, some of your experiences must be pretty surreal. I'm thinking of a pelican on a beach I saw and uh, somebody taking a fish for a walk. Uh, yeah, fish for a walk. That's called fish market. Yeah. <laughs> And the and the um, the pelican, or was that just that, that was the white heron? Is that a... Yeah, a close, yeah. A, a closer look at the white heron, you might. It's pretty hard to see, but you'll actually notice that it's got a noose around its neck. So it's just um, it's one of those more environmental pieces where um, you start looking at, at how we treat our environment and how it actually affects the wildlife that we have around it. We've got some stunning little nature reserves and a. Um, uh, a group of people in our local dock branch who do an absolutely amazing job um, and being tied in with a partner who is um, in her own right a bit of a um, conservationist and her photography and painting um, certainly reflects that. It's kind of opened my mind to um, how our actions affect the environment around us. So yeah, fish market, that was a little bit more unusual. Um, Difficult to explain, actually. I think my wife had probably a little bit more input into the design of that image than I did, um, and uh, I think I spent more time trying to overcome the technical the technical <laughs> difficulties in and around that um, than anything else. But I am aware of quite a few artists who tend to um, forge on blindly with their work um, using their unconscious, 
and then once the work is complete, they'll stand back, engage it, and then they'll um, decipher what it is that they've created. I'm still trying to decipher that one. <laughs> <laughs> but I'll get there. Yeah. I mean, I have created works which I've actually found quite confronting, and they've basically just sat aside for a couple of years before I, before I found myself in the right headspace to pull them out and actually try and, um, yeah, comprehend what it is that I've done. So some things can be quite, um, quite confronting. Let's take something that's not confronting. Let's have Eddie Vedder, Better Days. Why this one? Um, this is basically um, it's a story about um, enlightenment, so to speak. It's it's a journey, and I think it's reflected in quite a lot of people's lives about um, trying to find our place in the world and trying to find our meaning. Um, and it's not an easy thing to to come to terms with. Um, I personally use photography to try and to find do that. I feel part of the universe Open up to meet me My emotion so submerged Broken down to kneeling Once listening Voices they came
I wouldn't call myself a technical photographer. Um, I think I got my create my creative um, influences, shall we say, from my mother, which I'm still like internally grateful for. Um, so I kind of believe that there's two types of photographers. There are those that have creative vision, um, and there are those that have the um, technical ability. I'm not technical by a long shot, but I do believe that's certainly something that can be learned. Trying to learn um, creativity is um, nigh on impossible in some cases. I think you can you can only take that one so far. But either you've got you've got that as a um, as something to draw on, or you haven't. Um, one saying that I that somebody presented to me which, which which really really rung a bell was that vision is hard, craft is easy. That defines the amateur. Um, vision is easy, craft is hard. That defines the professional. And if you can do both, then you're a master. So I certainly don't consider myself a master because I'm still trying to work towards that um, that technical side. But um, I kind of think that if I had a choice, I'd certainly go with creativity. It, um, the ability to to tell a story and is is of the utmost importance. It's the one thing that makes photography art. Um, and the tool being the camera, much like a um, my wife uses the paintbrush quite often. The one thing that the camera doesn't possess possess is vision or craft. And I teach photography, and I tell that to my students quite often, um, because for some reason, and it seems to only apply to photographers, if you create beautiful work, more often than not, the comment is, and this is this is it's not an unusual occurrence. You must have a really good camera. But how many people go to <laughs> it happen? How many people actually uh, you're judged by the gear you carry, um, and also not necessarily by the work you create, which is why people seem to believe that if they want to take better photographs, well, then they'll graduate from a phone to an SLR or, or or a mirrorless camera. But how many times do you walk into a restaurant, sit down, have an absolutely amazing meal, and tell the uh, chef that you must have a great stove? It doesn't happen. But for photographers, you're faced with this on a daily basis. Um, so it's the one thing that sets us all apart. It seems as if people keep asking the question, has photography come to a standstill? But it's a, a person's creative talents, how they're applied um, in a practical sense, and the work that um, results from that. And that's the one thing that will always make photography relevant. Um, and it's, it's probably that one thing that I certainly treasure the most, to be able to start off with a concept um, and within a hundredth of a second, thousandth of a second, to be able to create create something that I'm truly proud of. And seriously, there's only two times in my career so far, which has probably stand 20 plus years, that I've, that I've actually stood there, captured an image, looked at it on the back of my camera and done the Michael Jackson moonwalk, knowing that I've just made <laughs> something absolutely special. It's only happened twice. Um, so <laughs> those are two special moments, and I, I distinctly remember those. Um, and I'm certainly working towards a third. Who knows? That could be another 10 years away. But, um, yeah. Those are... Do you have a vision for an image that you haven't been able to capture? Yes. Um, but a lot of them, this is difficult. I've actually got quite a few of those stored in my brain, but I'm, I'm a male, middle-aged, and I've got grey hair, and it almost seems as if in this day and age that those things are almost developing into evils. 
if you're a male, you're middle-aged, you are irrelevant, your voice um, means nothing, which is um, couldn't be further from the truth as far as I'm concerned. So as far as um, putting myself self out there to carry on creating, I find myself put up against roadblocks because I'm judged by my parents and I've judged by who I am. It's almost like if the, one of the things I absolutely hate doing for a newspaper job is actually walking out to photograph the opening of a playground. Male, grey hair, camera, playground, it's not a good mix. Um, I would say probably over the past six months, I've been approached twice and almost within a accusatory tones by women who thought that I was up to no good. And it just absolutely breaks my heart. That's life as it is, but it's also one, it's created a new fear, which I'm struggling to overcome. Um, and my, my creative side of things has actually been on the back burner for a while. So I have concepts and I have ideas, but um, seriously, I'm not really too sure if they'll come to fruition. I keep talking about it and starting to make moves towards that, but for some reason I just stop. You just need to take Mawera with you to, to be your guardian in the playground. <laughs> yes, I do. I probably do. Yeah, everybody loves loves my Mawera. So, um, yeah, while they're busy chatting with her, I can go out and do my thing. Great idea. Love it. <laughs> We've seen lots of changes in society over the past year. What do you think is going to stick? And perhaps more importantly, what do you hope will stick? Respect. That's probably one of the biggest things is respect. Everyone seems to have an opinion and that opinion is rule. Um, and there's absolutely no respect for anybody else's. And it's just it is such a such a shame. I'm not too sure whether it's anger or whether it's what it is, but. There seems to be a bit of a societal shift at the moment. Um, the woke generation, I mean, a lot of them have probably got legitimate concerns, but sometimes I think that the, the way that they go about things is um, ill-thought out and potentially ill-conceived and very contradictory. And at the end of the day, we just need to all take a step back and just respect each other. And um, we would go a long way. We're talking about photos or images that you're making about the environment what lessons do you think we can take from the pandemic and the pandemic response for the bigger sorts of questions that we face things like climate change and social injustice biodiversity well it's a hard one it's serious as a hard one because it's still a um ever evolving landscape isn't it i think one thing that it's um I'm not too sure this is answering your question, but one thing that this, the whole pandemic has highlighted is um, personal responsibility, um, just how important family is, um, respect for the person standing next to you. Um, yeah, that, that's, that's a very, very difficult question. Okay, so here's an easy question. What is the biggest success you've had in the last couple of years? Oh, <laughs> uh, 
Um, it's probably been an ongoing one. As far as the newspaper is concerned, I think I have been uh, photographer of the year for eight, eight times, eight times Whoa. now, um, which I am extremely proud of, extremely proud of. When I first started out, there was actually nobody to teach me anything. There was um, as much as I tried. I think I got a one-hour session with a photographer teacher at a local high school, and he didn't believe in digital photography. He was a he was a film nut um, and actually hated the concept and didn't really ever think it was going to take off. But he set his um, students um, an assignment which um, and dedicated his entire um, class to me, class time to me, which I was extremely great, grateful for. So about two years after that, I won my first newspaper award um, and I caught up with him about Three weeks later, and asked him if he remembered me. He said that he did. I told him that I'd just won my first photography award, and I credited him with giving me the drive and the motivation to push forward with what I absolutely love to do. And I think for a teacher, I hope, but I can only put myself in his shoes, but I think for a teacher, that would have been quite a special thing for him. Um, and I hope he was just as proud as I was, because he certainly helped me um, down a solid and direct a direct road to to patience essentially i was just a sponge and just wanted to learn everything um all at once but um everything keeping people in this profession 30 years down the line they're still learning you never ever stop learning but i was internally grateful for um for, for that hour and a half that 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 man gave me it really set me on a, a absolutely fantastic path but otherwise the greatest victory i've got is um marrying my wife she is such a creative influence on me to the point that when she was studying for her um, diploma in fine arts, I would listen in on all of her talks with her uh, mentor because you'll be surprised how much um, information and knowledge from a general artist applies to photography. The only difference is I can capture my piece in a, in a thousandth of a second, <laughs> but the whole thing and preparation process is exactly the same. It's exactly the same. I've spent, there was one piece I did, it took me two years to create it. Two years. And it was a, it was a, a it had its own creative life cycle, um, starting from simplistic to overly complicated, traveling around the countryside trying to get props for it. And at the end of the day, I just ended up dumping a lot and just doing what I thought I should have done right at the beginning. So the process is the same. Um, so it's marvelous having her in my life. She's such a major influence. Um, and a real treasure. We complement each other amazingly well. So we're writing a book of these conversations. It's called Tomorrow's Heroes. It's our team of people doing good work. So you are in that team. What's your superpower? <laughs> Telling stories. Telling stories that I want to be that I, that I want to tell. I do it every single day. Do you consider yourself to be an activist? No, no, not by a long shot. I probably, I probably um, consider myself to be someone who um, I have an interest, an interest in activism, um, and I actually do enjoy, to a certain extent, a certain extent, studying activism because I, I try to put myself in um, in positions where I can find out why. I, Everything's a question, and 
as soon as a question is asked, there is a potential for, for a photograph to give you the answer, to give the answer. Um, that's my interpretation. That's my, it's my answer. But life's all about exploring and it's not just exploring places, but also ideas and concepts. Um, and yeah, you need an open mind. And it does nothing more than just arm me with the tools to, um, to be better at what I do. So what motivates you? What gets you out of bed in the morning? The people who stand in front of my camera. <laughs> it's, no, it's no small feat. People hate having their photograph taken. Seriously, they absolutely loathe it. Um, one, of the, one of the key talents that you need is to be able to engage with a person and within about 10 or 20 seconds, have them react to you as if they've known you for 20 years. And it's not easy. Trying to get the best out of a person who's standing in front of your camera is certainly not easy. Um, I suppose that's also a bit of a superpower, to be honest. But yeah, you have to be able to relate to the people who, who, who stand in front of your lens. So what's the biggest challenge or opportunity you're looking forward to in the next year or so? Um, probably sounds quite shallow, but I've got, I've got certain unfinished business with one photographic competition, um, which I've meddled in before, but I've never actually won the entire thing. So that will be a great little bucket list achievement. One that may or may not happen. Um, sometimes I feel like I've fallen into my own trap, to be honest, Sam, and I've, um, I've become so involved in trying to earn money to put bread, bread on the table so to speak that, that um I, I tend to lose sight of that and i know i shouldn't and lastly do you have any advice for our listeners I keep smiling um there's a lot of oh yes there's a lot of knowledge out there pretty much everything that has been um that you could experience has been done before. Um, engage with engage with the with the old people and the, your elderly members of the community. Um, I spend a lot of time basically talking with them and photographing them, um, especially on Anzac Day. It's one of those things where you can just sit down and listen to the stories and, and listen to the experiences. Quite often, they always have seem to have amazingly solid life advice. Um, And sometimes, oh, my brother's going to hate me for saying this, but I always used to believe that if I watched everything my brother did and I did the opposite, my life would turn out fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> He's not going to like that, but it certainly worked up, up until this point anyway. So, um, um, and what I took from that is um, there's a lot of le lessons out there that have been learned. Why put yourself in a situation? And I know sometimes we do have to fail. We do have to have to have to stumble on our own. But more often than not, there's always someone standing beside you who has a solution to an issue. Um, take the time to listen. Thank you very much for that, Moira. Troy, it is a real privilege to get to see the world through your eyes which we do when we see your pictures. We get mm. to a glimpse into your imagination and your worldview. And, and I 
do see you as an activist and especially an enabler of activists um, with the work that you do. And um, I just want to say that um, of all of your work, and I've seen so much of it, but other than the one that hangs on the wall in my house, which I'm so proud of, is that if anyone ever gets to see the photo Troy took of Tame Iti with his dog, that mm. actually caused me to burst into spontaneous tears. It was the most beautiful photo I've ever seen in my life. I don't know how publicly it is available, but it just absolutely just cut straight into your heart. It was beautiful. And that is a gift. Yeah. Yeah, I must admit that I was quite taken back by that once I'd actually reviewed it. Um, yeah. It's not publicly available, unfortunately. I think there will come a time where it is, but it, that's, 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 that's two boys. Yep. That's, that's, their, that's their person, that's their man, and that's their photograph. They're working towards um, putting out a um, collection of um, a possibly a journal all on Tuhoya and maybe even, um, who knows, hopefully an exhibition will come out of it. I'm, I'm trying to convince them into doing that. Um, it'll be out there one day. It'll be out there one day. But, yeah, extraordinary man, and he, he's, he's fantastic to, to shoot. Last time I photographed him, he was wearing a tutu, by the way. <laughs> yes, I've got that picture too. Apparently. <laughs> Fundraiser for breast cancer. Yeah, yeah. Just goes to show how amazing he is. Troy, thank you very much for joining us.
Positive conversations with people in their bubbles, their safe spaces around the world. Brought to you by the Sustainable Lens Team, which is brought to you by Otago Polytechnic. We're broadcast on Otago Access Radio every Monday, Wednesday and Friday afternoons at 3 and streamed and podcast on oar.org.nz. You can find us on Facebook and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. We had a contribution today from Tahu McKenzie. This is Aztec Camera, Somewhere in My Heart. I'm Samuel Mann in Soyuz Bay, Dunedin, with Mawira Karatai and Troy Baker in Fakatani. That was Blowing Bubbles. We hope you enjoyed the show. Somewhere in my heart there is a star that shines for you. Silver splits the moon. Love will see you through. And somewhere in my heart there is the will to set you free. All you've got to This podcast was produced by ORFM Dunedin with support from New Zealand On the Air.